Morning, church. Jesus is our all in all. Yeah. Well, let's begin this morning uh, this portion of our worship service by turning our attention to the screen, and uh, we'd like to read Scripture together. I think it's very important for the body of Christ to read the Word of God together. And so I think you'll recognize your part, and you just jump right in when it's your time to read. This comes from 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 5. Now, concerning how and when all this will happen, dear brothers and sisters, uh, we don't really need to write to you. And there will be no escape. But you aren't in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters. And you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. But let us who live in the light be clear-headed protected by the armor of faith and love, and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. So, encourage each other and build each other up. Just as you are already doing. Let's try that one again. So encourage each other and build each other up. Just as you are already doing. Uh, The end is near. How many of you believe that? Well, it's closer than it was. That's for sure, right? Uh, The end is near. And we've all encountered statements like that made in various ways in our lifetime. It's been going on a long time. Uh, This mantra, though, the end is near, uh, began way back in the first century with the word Maranatha, the word Maranatha. And by the way, if you need uh, sermon notes, uh, I'm not going to be covering everything because there's a lot, again, in this message. If you need sermon notes, just uh, kindly lift your hand and our ushers will uh, get you a set of notes if you'd like to follow along that way. Uh, But the word Maranatha was a frequent greeting among believers in the first century. It's actually an Aramaic expression, uh, and it has some very significant meaning for the early church. It meant the Lord is coming, or come Lord, come Lord. And so if you were a believer in the first century, you would often greet one another, Maranatha, because the whole intent was Jesus is coming and it will be soon. Now, over the last 30 years, I've read a good number of books about the second coming of Christ, watched various media and all that kind of stuff. Unfortunately, many were written to predict when this incredible catastrophic event would take place, uh, by the way, which the Bible explicitly tells us not to do because no one knows when that's going to happen. Other books debated the order of events or signs connected with the return of Jesus to the earth. And unfortunately, much of this divides rather than unites. I think we may be missing the whole point here. 
And so uh, this morning we set this time aside to talk about Jesus as our coming King. The New Testament's teaching about the return of Christ, I think, can be uh, simply summarized, and I'm a simple kind of guy, uh, in these uh, two ways. Number one, because Christ is coming, we need to be ready. We need to be ready. And Jesus continually mentioned that fact. We need to be ready. We need to be living lives that are set apart. And as last week we looked at the fact that Jesus is our sanctifier, right? And the word sanctifier holy means what? To be separate or set apart. What are we set apart from? Sin. Thank you. Or the world. And that's only a part of it, as we discussed last week. And we have to also be set apart to... Oh, man, I'm going to have to re-preach that message. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Okay. The word I'm going to review. All right? Good. The word holy or sanctify means to be set apart. Set apart from our sin. Remember, we talked about that last week, right? And oftentimes when we encounter church culture, it says, okay, now you're a follower of Jesus. You don't do this. You don't do that. You don't think that. You don't say that. You don't do that. And we can put on people a whole bunch of rules and regulations. Okay, be separate from sin. Don't do what sinners do. And that changes over time, and it changes culture by culture. Understand that. Now, as we look into the Word of God, though, we are to be separate from sin. Come out from among them, the Bible says. Live separately. So we have this one step of, of saying, okay, now that I'm a Jesus follower, here's how I'm going to live. I'm going to live separate, which means I'm not going to do that stuff anymore. But we often fail to the point where we're not separated fully unto God. And so we develop this church culture mindset that says, okay, uh, this is what a Christian does and behaves like, but we're not getting into the inner transformation because sanctification works from the inside out. And the only reason we should be changing our behavior is because God is at work in our heart first, right? Not because someone's telling us you shouldn't do that anymore. Because when I came to Jesus in the 70s, there were certain things he didn't know. You you playing cards? Are you kidding me? You're going to go to hell if you play cards, right? So we get all this cultural baggage that comes along. Play pool? Go to a pool hall? Are you kidding? You could never be saying at a pool hall when I came to Jesus. Oh, my goodness, what are we doing? So, Yes, it's good to be separate from sin. We have to, because we must be holy as he is holy, right? Are you as holy as God? Positionally and conditionally, remember we talked about that last week? Okay, I'm not going to re-preach that message. But, so what we have to do is be separate then unto God. And we looked at what that means to be fully separate, filled with the Holy Spirit, separated unto God. Okay? So if, in fact, Jesus is coming back, and I truly believe that he is, we need to be ready. We need to be living lives that are separate and intentional. Here's what Jesus said. Now, a lot of the scripture I'll be using is from Matthew chapter 24. This is called the Olivet Discourse in Scripture. This is the last public teaching of Jesus Tuesday, he would be executed on Friday. He would rise from the dead on Sunday. This is his last public teaching. This is called the Olivet Discourse. Here's a couple of verses from that. Keep watch, for you don't know what day your Lord is coming. Understand this. If a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. 
It's an interesting concept. You also must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. So, over and over again, Jesus is saying, uh, I'm coming, and you better be ready. Better be ready. What does it mean to be ready? Well, it means living a life that is separate. It is prayerful. It is intentional. Living separated unto God. Secondly, because Christ is coming, we need to finish the commission that he has given us. What is the great commission? Go and do what? Where? Of all nations, right? Exactly. That was his departing commission uh, for all of us. The preaching of the gospel to all nations. And again, back to the Olivet Discourse. The good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it. And then the end will come. He's got a condition here. This must happen before I return. And then the end will will come when the gospel goes to all people and we are getting closer and closer to that now for more than 130 years the logo of the christian missionary alliance has symbolized the fact that jesus is sufficient for anything and everything he is more than enough whatever we're facing in life in this moment some with great joy some with great sorrow here this morning jesus is sufficient he knows he cares he walks through it with us it's expressed in what we call the fourfold gospel jesus is our savior sanctifier healer and coming king we just sang that and so the cross then is the emblem that reminds us that jesus is our savior pastor michael unpackaged that for us the pitcher of oil Christ is our healer, the laver. Christ is our sanctifier. We talked about that last week. And the globe reminds us of our mission to the ends of the earth. And so today the crown represents the final emblem that we'll be talking about, the fourfold gospel, Christ our coming king. Understand, all of what we've talked about has been rather theological in its essence, this becomes motivational. Why do we do what we do in the Christian Missionary Alliance of which this church is a part of? Why do we do what we do? Why do we believe what we believe? The coming of Christ is the driving force behind all that we do. Because Jesus is coming, we've got to live differently, we've got to act differently, we have to have a different focus. He is coming. So here's what we believe. The second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ is imminent. What does the word imminent mean? I will be interviewing young men for ministry in Appleton on Tuesday. This is one of the questions they will be asked. What does the word imminent mean? Any moment. It's simple, right? Yeah, any time. Any time, right, any moment. It will be personal and visible. This is the believer's blessed hope. And that's what Paul wrote in Titus. And is a vital truth which is an incentive to holy living and faithful service. Sound like what we talked about last week? When the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon us, we have power for holy living, power for effective service. And the motivation then, why we do what we do, why we believe what we believe, is because Christ is coming. Christ is coming. Now the next major event in Bible prophecy is the return of Jesus Christ to the earth. That is the next thing that will happen. Some of you grew up hearing about it. Others like me, I never, ever remember hearing it. Ever. I wasn't raised in the church. It wasn't until my 20s that I was exposed to this truth that Jesus, this guy who died on the cross, was actually going to come back again. 
So don't assume that because you have been raised in a culture in which you've grown up with this, that everybody knows this or understands this. It's not true. I stand before you as one who didn't know that truth. It didn't register with me until much later. But Jesus is returning visibly and physically to the earth. Literally and physically. If you believe that Jesus Christ once walked on this earth, we believe that Jesus Christ will come again. He will once again walk on this earth visibly and physically. How do I know that? Well, in Acts 1.11, uh, when Jesus ascended into heaven, the angel says, uh, Men of Galilee, why are you standing up looking at the sky? The same Jesus who was taken from you will return in like manner, visibly and physically to the earth. We believe that. Now, were you aware that the second coming of Christ is mentioned eight times more than his first coming? The second coming of Christ is mentioned eight times more in Scripture than his first coming. One out of every 25 verses in the New Testament talks about the return of Christ. That's what it averages out. One out of every 25 verses. It's the theme of whole chapters of the book. We're in one in Matthew 24, Luke 21, Mark 13, and entire books of the Bible are focused on that. First and second Thessalonians are an example. And so it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Maranatha, the Lord is coming. Jesus is my Savior, Sanctifier, Healer, and He is my coming King. The Lord is coming. The question is, are you ready? Are you ready? Now, while every person in this room is traveling on the highway of life, not everybody in this room, I don't believe, is on the highway to heaven. There is a big difference between being on the highway of life and being on the highway to heaven. Why would I say that? Why would I say that? That's because Jesus said it. And so Jesus uh, would say some rather profound things like, uh, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. Many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Only a few find it. Only a few find it. Huh. Only a few find it. Now on the highway to heaven there are signs that uh, Jesus, our coming king, is getting ready to return. There are signs given to us that we're getting closer. Back to the introduction of the Olivet Discourse. Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives. Hint, that's why it's called the Olivet Discourse. His disciples came to him privately and said, What sign will signal your return and the end of the world? People have been asking that question a long time. When's the world going to end? What's it going to look like when it happens? So Jesus' disciples asked him the same question. What's it going to look like when the world comes to an end? So what are some of the signs of his coming which indicate that Jesus' return is growing closer? He is our coming king. What are some of the things given to us in the Bible that are indicators that his return is growing near? Let me just give you a few of them. We don't have time to unpackage much but we'll kind of give you a big, broad overview. And you kind of judge for yourself, is our world in this position? Could it be sooner than we might think? Hmm. Uh, number one, there will be widespread fear and confusion. Widespread fear and confusion. Here's what Jesus said. There will be strange signs in the sun, moon, and stars. And here in the earth, the nations will be in turmoil, perplexed by the roaring seas and strange tides. People will be terrified at what they see coming upon the earth, for the powers in the heavens will be shaken. 
I like the way King James puts this. It says, men's hearts will fail them for fear. There will be widespread fear. 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 I don't know about you, but uh, we, we, our culture is constantly more fear-based. Fear-based. I don't care if you're watching TV and suddenly there's this severe thunderstorm watch. Yeah, could be tornadoes. Ah, ah, the world is ending. Ah, ah, right? And we're constantly bombarded uh, with these kind of images and, and messages uh, just to make us fearful. Fearful. And so this week, right, uh, we get a uh, uh, police report. Someone tried to abduct someone at the Love's truck stop. And so Head Start comes in and says, oh, we got to lock down the building. we got to lock down the building. Someone's trying to, uh, there was a possible abduction just right there at Love's and the guy's on the loose. Okay, I'm all for common sense. But I'm not all about living in fear. I'm not about living in fear. Now, there's a balance here, folks. There is a balance. And more and more, we are just fear-based at every turn, you know? Some of us here are, are, are wondering, hmm, is North Korea going to blast us out of existence? Is the economy suddenly going to collapse? Is our president going to do something really strange and odd? And, and America, as we know it, will end? I wonder, hmm, Gee, I'm afraid. I'm so afraid. Oh, my goodness. I'm afraid. Widespread fear. Widespread fear. Huh. That's why fear not is one of the most repeated commands in our Bible. Fear not. So let me ask you, what are you afraid of? Yeah, just throw some of those out. Spiders. Okay. Arachnophobia. Okay, that's a good one. Good. What else are you afraid of? Me? I don't, I don't know if that one has a particular name, but you're a wise man. <laughs> good. What else are you afraid of? Things with a lot of legs. Okay. Okay, I was looking for something a little more profound, but that's okay. You're afraid of failure. Thank you. Hmm? God's wrath. But did you grasp that scripture we just read? Did that kind of register in you? Try spending some time First Thessalonians five. He doesn't treat us as our sin deserves, and he won't forever be angry with us. Isn't that nice? But that's a real fear. The fear of God's wrath. Thank you. What else are you afraid of? Dying. Dying. That's honest. Right? That's honest. I'm not so much afraid of death as I am about, uh, concerned about dying. And again, I've shared that with you before. If I had my choice, I do not want to uh, be drugged down by a shark and eaten one piece at a time. That's not really up there on my list of ways to go. Yeah, yeah that one, Lord, just, okay. So whenever I'm swimming in the ocean, I'm thinking, <laughs> especially when I'm scuba diving, it's like, uh, <laughs> these are real sharks. Uh, okay, what else are you afraid of? Over here? Abandonment. Wow. That's, that's cool. That's heavy. And, and down deep, I think all of us share that kind of fear of being abandoned. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And yet, others in my life have. Yeah. 
over here. Something's going to happen to one of your children. Yeah, and you can't control it, can you? Yeah, that's a real fear. Good. What else? Snakes? Certain kind of snake or just snakes in general? All snakes. Okay, you fit in that category. Yeah. How many of you are afraid of snakes? That's a pretty big one. Okay. Anything else you're afraid of? Extreme pain. Yeah. If you've seen other people go through extreme pain and you've watched people die a painful death, with good reason. Life's filled with pain, isn't it? Yeah. That's real. Good. What else? Getting lost. Yeah. That's a very real one. That's, that's my life. I always feel like I'm getting lost. Okay. Dishonor? Okay. Good. Good fears. World events, yeah. So if you're in Hawaii and you don't want a volcano <laughs> pumping on you, then you, yeah. But understand, G- oh, nuclear, yeah, yeah. I say drop it right on my head. <laughs> I'm no survivalist, man. Drop it right smack here. Here's, here's the bullseye right on top of my head. I don't even know what hit me. It's going to be great. <laughs> okay, good, enough of that stuff. Infiltration of false teachers. This is a whole different kind of category. For time is coming, Paul wrote, when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. Peter put it like this. Many will follow their evil teaching and shameful immorality, and because of these teachers, the way of truth will be slandered. The way of truth will be sent. You see the progression there? You see the progression in these verses? Uh, first of all, uh, truth will be challenged by false ideas. What is truth, by the way? Yeah, thank you. It is Jesus. We might have the same question that Pilate asked. What is true? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life yeah the truth is jesus but there there will be a day coming in which there uh, people will no longer tolerate the truth and then they'll look for truth as they intend it to be or want it to be or it's truth for them right and then they'll surround themselves with teachers who tell them what they want to hear right and then the time will come when Truth will, will simply not just be tolerated. Truth will be slandered. And if you stand for the true truth, and when you stand for Jesus, not only will it be uncomfortable, you will be slandered. And in many countries of the world, this is what's happening. And if you're a Jesus follower, it's not just you believe different from me. No, you are dangerous to me because you believe that truth. And so, you see the progression, the evolution, and I believe is happening in this country right now. Christianity wants just a generation to go, yay, and God we trust, right? Let's see how that's working for us now. Now, if you're a believer and you make a stand in love for the truth, not only will they just kind of tolerate you at this point, but there is a day coming, I believe, very rapidly in which you will be slandered, and uh, the next step isn't going to be quite so nice. After our truth is slandered, are you willing to stand up 
when the truth is slandered. Just was engaged with a guy this week, and he said, I'm not going to believe your brainwashed Christianity garbage. Okay, that's cool. That's cool. That's a choice you've got to make. I'm not going to fault you for not believing. But on the other hand, with people like that, I want intellectual honesty. I want intellectual honesty. The greatest and most profound book that's ever been written, the number one bestseller every year since the invention of the printing press, has been the Bible. I would ask if this is the most impactful and transformational book ever written, have you read it? Just be intellectually honest. You say I'm brainwashed Christian? Yeah, that is true because my mind's been renewed in Jesus. I am brainwashed, right? And I'm not going <laughs> to make any excuses for that. I just ask about you. If you're going to attack my Christianity, I just ask that you read the book first and then we'll have a conversation about this. But don't do it off of what you don't know to be true. That's not intellectually honest. So at any rate, we're coming to a time when the truth will be slandered. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. All right. Turning away from the truth. So again, we see the progression. Once we say, oh, there must be alternative truth, then we'll surround ourselves with teachers who uh, begin to expound that truth. And then the truth, that, as we know it in Jesus, will be slandered. But then there'll be a turning away from the truth. The Spirit clearly says in the latter times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Whoa. Such teaching comes through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared with a hot iron. Man, I wish I had time to stay in this passage. This thing is absolutely fascinating. But I don't. Second Peter. First of all, you must understand in the last days scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They'll say, ah, where's this coming, he promised. Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. Where is this coming? You're talking about it's been 2,000 years. Where is Jesus coming, right? You believe that stuff? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? 2,000 years. You're still hanging on to that, right? Hmm. Interesting. Kind of interesting. So, in the latter times, some will abandon the faith. They will abandon the faith. Because the truth will be slandered. It will be hard to stand for Jesus. There will be all kinds of other truths that are out there. One might be just right and fit you a little bit better. And we'll walk away from the faith. Preoccupation with pleasure. With pleasure. When the Son of Man returns, it'll be like it was in Noah's days. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered the boat. People didn't realize what was going, on, going to happen until the flood came, swept them all away. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. Huh. Again, the Olivet Discourse, the last public teaching of Jesus. And then Paul writes there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be Lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of of God. Huh. Any of that ring is slightly familiar in our culture today? 
Number five, worldwide war, devastation, and persecution. Jesus said, again, we're back to the Alva Discourse, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you're not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are what? The beginnings of birth pangs. Okay, one of you ladies out there, tell me about the beginning of birth pangs. Talk to me. The beginning is easy. If you knew what was coming after the beginning, it'd make the beginning not seem quite so bad. Correct? So what happens as you get further into it, Jerry? It gets harder. Ouch! More intense, right? More painful, more critical, right? So what we're seeing in the wars and the rumors of wars, the nations rising, these are the beginnings, just the beginnings of what will come. And once that happens, it will come very, very rapidly. Now, we've covered that. Let's go to the last one. A worldwide proclamation of the gospel. This is the good news, or some good news. The good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it, and then the end will come. It's a fascinating statement Jesus made. And this is one of the core values of the Christian Missionary Alliance. Then the end will come when the gospel goes to all nations. And did you know that we as Jesus followers and we together as his church actually hasten the day of Jesus' coming? We speed it along? Wow. So uh, the end will come when the Great Commission is fulfilled and we have a part in doing that. Uh, Listen carefully to Peter's words. What kind of people ought you to be in light of the Lord's return? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. We speed its coming by obeying and fulfilling the Great Commission, our portion of it. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to new heaven and a new earth, the home of the righteous. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Are you at peace with God? That's the question. Are we doing our part in hastening the Lord's return? Now, the older I get to say, well, Jesus might not come in my lifetime. That's cool. I'd not like to die. That'd be kind of nice. But uh, you know what? He's coming. That's the truth. And I have the opportunity and the responsibility to hasten to speed the return of the Lord by living out a faithful Jesus follower life and making sure the gospel is going to all creation. All right. Before I put the application to this, what questions or comments do you have about what we've just covered about Christ, our coming king? He's got a question. These are just some of the signs that the Bible gives us. I think there's many, many more. Uh, But again, we're not fixated on when it's going to happen. We're paying attention to what the Holy Spirit's saying to me. Am I ready? Am I ready? Am I ready, and am I doing my part to fulfill the Great Commission? So, any questions about this so far? Yes, Marla. That's a great question. Uh, Marla asks, hey, if he's coming back, isn't this the blessed hope that we're all longing for? Shouldn't we be excited about this? 
Yeah, we should. But understand the signs that Jesus gives us indicate that things are going to get dark before they get light and there's going to be some tests and trials that come with his return. The earth will be in agony just as it was when he came the first time. And guess how many people got his first coming right? Not a whole lot, right? Not a whole lot. So rather than spending a whole lot of time uh, trying to get indicators of when he might come, uh, maybe we've got to focus on what I can do and where I am with God. But yes, I agree to complete. This should be a, a motivation for us with great joy to do what we can do to make sure that it's just as soon as it can be. Come, Lord Jesus, Maranatha. Yes, he's coming. Yes, he's coming. But understand, if, if I could suddenly transport this congregation to various places in the world where Jesus believers are suffering intense persecution right now simply because they follow Jesus, there is a whole different dynamic when you talk about the Lord's coming. There, it's great joy. Great joy. Great joy. And it's true even in the African-American community with my black brothers as we talk about the essence of gospel music. It all had to do with the liberation of them into freedom and that freedom ultimately was in heaven. And that's why much of their songs talks about heaven. And I enjoy very much singing those songs because it puts the right perspective. This world is not our home. And we've settled and become quite comfortable in a place that is not our home. Our home is not here. It's in heaven with Jesus. I'm preaching to the choir. I get that. I, I do understand that. But the point is, sometimes God has to make us a little uncomfortable so we get about his business. Because often we settle into this kind of lukewarmness and this apathy that's just kind of, oh, tomorrow will be like today and we'll just keep grinding along, keep making money. I'll keep, yeah, 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 yeah. And we lose sight of the big picture that the king is coming. Are we ready? And what should we do to make ourselves ready if Jesus comes today? So, great question. Christ our coming king, I mentioned, is what it drives us. And I think it's expressed best in the fact that missionaries are middle name. We are the Christian and Missionary Alliance. Christian and Missionary Alliance. It's our middle name. It's what compels us to make sacrifices, to pray, to give, and to go where Jesus is not known, whether that's here or across the ocean. It drives us to places today in our world that other organizations won't.